0: Good morning. So um, I, I've heard on fairly good authority that the Saxons are pretty cutthroat when you play board games with them. That's <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just what I've heard. I don't know for a fact, but that's, that's what I've been told. Um, uh, and, and so I've got to be honest with you, and, and JJ doesn't know this, so don't tell him, but um, we're, we're, last week he kicked off the series, The Game of Life. I have never played that game, never, not once. I know, right? But because uh, as a kid, I played like Monopoly and Clue and Yahtzee, and boy, get out there and rake that yard, and and those kind of games. Those were the kind of games that I played as a kid. I didn't. I never played the game of life. <clears throat> so, um, but I have lived the game of life. So, so here I am. And and so last week, JJ kicked off the game of life, and he talked about sacred singleness, and uh, and he added the peg. And so this week, I get to add a peg. <laughs> Because we're talking about family. I was going to add kids, but the box of squirrels got away and that, to put in the back. <clears throat> but the, um, and, and I'm kind of glad I got this week instead of last week. Because I'm a whole lot better at being married than I was at being single. Uh, I was horrible being single. I, I was not a good boyfriend. I'm a much better husband than I was a boyfriend. And that's not saying much. Because as a boyfriend, I fell asleep all the time. Yeah, it, it, we'd go on dates, and if we uh, we go to the movies, and, and as soon as it got dark or still, I was out. We'd sit down to watch TV, I was out. We'd go to the Bucks game in the rain, I was out. Now, granted, the Bucks were very bad that year, but I, I like I I really think that Jenny just felt bad for me and didn't think that I was ever going to find somebody to marry me, so she went ahead and took one for the team <laughs> and married me because I. I, I I set the bar really low. Now, guys, that's not a bad thing, because now I don't have to do all. I got to do is stay awake, and I've I've improved. So um, now, in my defense, I was I was working full time and going to college full time, and, and and every other minute I had left, I was spending with her. But still, so something had to give, and sleep was the thing that had to give. But still, um, <clears throat> but I was horrible at dating, so I'm glad I got the marriage or the the, the family part because I am better at family than I was at dating, um, and. JJ started off last week talking about nuclear families, and I think I fit that mold, too. So to give you a little bit of background, I've <clears throat> my parents were married. They they divorced when I was about four. I don't know because I, I can't remember back then. I can't remember last week, much less, you know, 36 years ago. So, but they, that's what they tell me anyway is they divorced when I was about four. And um, so my dad remarried and um, had two children. So I have a half-brother and a half-sister, okay? Okay. Uh, a few years later my mom remarried my stepdad and he had two children already so i have a stepbrother and a stepsister okay so if you don't think that's confusing hallmark doesn't make anything for me right <laughs> because i have a stepmom a stepdad a stepbrother stepsister half brother half sister i'm married so i now have in laws i have three children and in adopting a child so so i you name it i have it okay And so, and it makes holidays very interesting because there, you know, where where do you, you have 20 different places to be and it's usually all at the same time, about 30 minutes apart. And so, you you know, you can't get there from here, but so, yeah, so I've kind of the nuclear family thing. I'm better at marriage than I am at dating. So, so here I am. Um, and, and so we're, today we're going to talk about family and we're going to talk, talk about roles in the family. And if you're, but if you're not married, it's, it's, it's this is all applicable because here, here's what I believe is. I believe that the Bible is applicable for all of us at any point, anywhere, anytime. So at some point, cause you may be there and you may be single and you may be like me. Cause when I was single, I was like, I'm never getting married. Not going to happen. Don't plan on it. Not getting married, not having kids. Joke's on me. Cause I'm married and I got four of them. Right. <laughs> Plans change. God changes your plans. And because at 23 and a half, that was my, that my life goal was single, live at home. Mom does the laundry and she cooks. I didn't need anything else. But then things changed and I wouldn't change them at this point. So I'm going to give you a caveat. At some point, I'm probably going to upset every single one of you today. If I haven't done so already, <laughs> I'm probably going to upset every single one of you. So, so, so I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way with most of you and throw a verse up here. Um, and this is in Proverbs 21:19. Uh, Proverbs 21:19. King Solomon says, it's better to live in a desert with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. Right? So I've got half of you mad at me now. Um, and then I'll go ahead and, and, and expound on it and make the other half of you mad. All right? So I've, I've alienated the females. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the males and upset you. No, um, this is King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. The wisest man who ever lived. And yet, he put something in the, like this in print. Also had a thousand wives and side chicks. Okay? I would argue... It in the, it's in the Bible. It's called, they're called concubines in the Bible, but they're really side chicks. But you... Uh, I would argue there about how wise he is, too, because he's got a 1,000 wives. But I'm already going to get in trouble even more. But here's the thing. He was also the richest man that ever lived. He must have been pretty wise, because I've got a wife and four kids, and I don't carry a wallet because there's nothing in it, okay? Dude was the richest man that ever lived and had a 1,000 wives. So he must have been fairly smart. But I'm going to go with it. But so he he wrote this. He wrote this. He said it's better to be living in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. But I bet one of those thousand. I bet you can find at least one out of those thousand who would say it's better to live in a desert than with a hard headed know it all, sex craved, selfish jerk of a husband. All right? Because he's got a thousand wives. You know. So and, and and he was the wisest man that ever lived. You know it all. Some of this doesn't sink in until the second time you hear it. But. Um, One of those thousand probably could flip the script and say the same thing about him, right? So here's where I'm getting at with this. This wasn't just for shock factor. This was, uh, there was a point behind this because according to Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, apparently the greatest form of loneliness isn't being alone in the desert. Okay, The the greatest form of loneliness is not being alone in the desert. The greatest form of loneliness is being in the presence of someone who knows you a fraction of what they should or respects you a fraction of what they should or loves you a fraction of what they should, okay? Apparently, the greatest form of loneliness is not being alone on a desert. It's being, doing life with someone who loves you, respects you, knows you a fraction of what they should, okay? And so, so that's kind of, that's where we're going to go today today. to to some degree, and and so the truth is this, the truth is this, and this is, if you're taking notes, this is is one of those cool fill-in-the-blank things, but the truth is the only thing worse than being single and lonely is being married and lonely. The only thing worse than being single and lonely is being married and lonely. Now, take note, because all the single ladies, all the single ladies, Jenny made me promise not to dance. <laughs> single ladies. And I, I specifically single, let's say single ladies because single men typically don't struggle with this. But if you're in a hurry to get married, take note of this. Take note of this. Because guys, single guys are like, no, I'm good. Man, I'm all right. <laughs> cool. I'm going fishing after this. Don't have to ask nobody. <laughs> you know? But... Um, truth is the only thing being worse than being single and lonely is being married and lonely okay and there 's some of us here that could fully attest to that and and so don 't rush into it don 't rush into it don 't rush into it okay I, I said it three times i 'm going to move on but here but if they don't respect you or love you or, or, or treat you, they're not going to change. What you see is what you get. Okay. Typically it only gets worse because what you see is the tip of the iceberg, not the big shipwrecking portion of the iceberg. Okay. You only see the, the little bit that they let you see. So, and, and it, it works with women too. So, so guys, you know, what you see is what you get. And, and, and so if there's a, if you're dating somebody and, and there's a hint they're more than a hint. That's usually flashing. You just don't see. You're, you're so, you're so love struck or whatever, and, and you don't see it. There's, some, there's an iceberg underneath of there that you're not seeing. So uh, that's my public service announcement for you single folks out there. Um, but so some people, the truth, some people get married thinking that they found a life companion, a soulmate. They found that one, your, your lobster, right, whatever you want to call it. But to their surprise obscure friends reference, to their surprise, they get a new roommate, right, one that eats their food and leaves the toilet seat up, and there's nothing you can do about it, because if you move, they move with you, okay, you don't have that life companion, you got a roommate, and um, some people get married thinking they found a, a, a new and unwavering ally, a sidekick to, to fight for what's worth fighting for, right, hello, good citizen, I'm Batman. Would you like to be Batman's partner? And and they think they've found that. And to their surprise, instead of fighting the good fight for things that are worth fighting for, they spend most of their time fighting each other. And at the end of the day, you're too tired to fight for anything else because you spent so much time fighting each other. <clears throat> and it'd be really easy to slip into self-pity right now. It'd be really easy to say, hey, man, woe is me, life's so bad. Um, you know, my spouse is this and my spouse is that and I deserve this. And, and you know, it's, it's, it'd be really easy to, to sink into that. But here, here's the thing, don't. This isn't about your spouse. This isn't about your spouse. This isn't about your spouse. This is about you. Okay? Okay? You're not allowed to use this against your spouse. So don't go home and say, Michael said, okay, unless it's followed by I should, okay? You, you're not allowed to turn it around against them. It, it can only point to you, okay? This isn't about your spouse. This is about you because I don't know your situation. I don't, okay? I don't know your situation, um, and, you know. And and I'm sure we all have situations. We all have situations. But I know this. I don't know your situation, but I know this. You don't control how your spouse treats you, but you do control how you treat your spouse. You don't control how your spouse treats you, but you control how you treat your spouse. And here's the point I'm getting to. Your spouse should never be lonely. Your spouse should never be lonely. So whenever we play games at the house, the kids will bring in, you know, they get a board game or whatever. And board games got elaborate. Like I remember when, the, when it was roll the dice, move your man that many spaces, right? And the idea was to get to the end of the maze. That was the whole point of it, right? Now, life was simpler back then, back in the good old days. I never thought I'd be to the point where, where, you know, you'd be telling the whole, well, when I was a kid kind of thing. That's when you're officially old. When you can tell a when I was a kid story, you're old. But when I was a kid, right? You rolled the dice, you moved your guy. That's how it worked. Now there's batteries involved, and and you got to put stuff together first, and all this other stuff. And 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 so I asked the kids, where are the directions? We don't know. You know why? Because they make them up. They cheat. My kids cheat, okay? Because especially the little one, Cooper. He'll say he'll he'll, he'll make something up because if he lands on no, I get an extra space. How do you get an extra space? It says six on the dice. So anyway, just a, just a heads up that he cheats. But um, I, look for the, I look for the directions, right? And if the directions are a pamphlet, I throw them away too. I don't know why the kids throw them away because there's so much to read. <clears throat> well, so, so I was looking through... I was, I, was, I was studying for this, and I came, apart, I came upon um, Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, it says, rules for Christian households. So if we're in a series called The Game of Life, rules for Christian households sounds like a good place to start, right? So, so I, I looked into it, and, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, if it's a lot of words, I'm done. At work, if you send me an email, and there are more than three sentences in that email, I don't read it. I have 2,642 emails in my inbox because they have more than three sentences. I don't delete them either. I just move on. Just move on. Just disregard it. Right? So so I got here, and and there's there's four sentences. And I said, well, it's God. I'll give him another one. All right? Colossians 3, verse 18. Rules for Christian households. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands. Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, I'm a little confused here. I was a little confused here because I really think these are backwards. I do. I really think they're backwards. But I'm going to go ahead and go with God and figure he knew what he was doing. He didn't ask me, so he must have known what he was doing. But but I, I really thought those were backwards. Uh, verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And then it, then it goes back to fathers because God knows that we need to be told twice. Right? He knows that we need to be told twice. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged, okay? Fathers, don't embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So, so he kind of goes, wives, husbands, children, fathers. And, and, I, and I put some notes, I put down there on their notes, the wives, husbands, and children. I didn't put down fathers, but you can make a note if you want to. But so, so a couple of things I get out of reading this. This is, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. So for wives... The idea is submit and support. Okay, submit and support. Now, I know that that's probably painful to hear for for some of you. It's painful to say for some of of me or just me. And so, um, wives, submit and support. But the the, the idea isn't submit as in you roll over and you just take it and, and whatever stupid, idiotic, ridiculous idea comes out, you roll with and... And, and, you know, this is why I think these are in reverse order. I really think husbands and wives are backwards on this. But, again, it's God. I'm going to give him benefit of the doubt here. But um, submit and support. So, so the submit is the fact that at some point somebody has to make a decision, right? There has to be a decision to be made. The Bible sets apart that the husband is the one that deal, that's the tiebreaker. Somebody had to, that's what the Bible says. I didn't say it. I, I, I did, but I didn't. I said it because I read it. That somebody has to be the tiebreaker, okay? So it's not submit as far as, you know, I just do everything you say, and I don't... No, it's a partnership, okay? It's a partnership. Because here's the thing. My, my wife, um, if she would submit to everything I did, she would let us mortgage the house so that we could go... So I could go around selling beef jerky, right? <laughs> I mean, and then I'd eat up half the profits, so, you know, it's not one of those, hey, we should do this. All right, let's go kind of deal. It's a conversation. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, you, it's a discussion that takes place. Somebody has to be the deal breaker. So there, there's your submit and support. Uh, husbands. says, Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. So husbands are to love and lead. Love and lead. Again, this is why I think if, if we'd have, Done this the other way, and it started off with husbands loving and leading their wives. It's a whole lot easier to submit and support when you're loved and led. So again, there's reason why they're the other way. I just haven't figured it out yet. God hasn't. If you know why they're in this order, come see me after the service because I've struggled with this for a couple of weeks now. (laughs) But I'm all right with it. I just don't know. Here, but so love and lead. And this isn't love like your buddies at the gym or the guys you go fishing or hunting with. This isn't one of the love you, man. Kind of deal, hey man, I love you. you. You helped me drag the deer out of the woods, right? Now help me cut him open. Not, it's, it's not one of those kind of loves, right? Not brotherly love. It's not that kind of brotherly love with your pals and, and, and things like that, right? That surface type of we enjoy the same thing, so I love you kind of deal, brotherly. It's also not the, the kind of love like, like the I love bacon kind of love, the one that borderlines on lust. Not that kind of love either, okay? It's, it's, it's not that part, um, but it is the agape kind of love, the unconditional, sacrificial type of love that God gives us, okay? That's the type of love we're supposed to have for our wives, okay? Because God so loved the world, he gave his only son for us while we were still sinners, that kind of love, that sacrifice, that unconditional that we didn't deserve, that is the love that God calls us guys to have for our spouses. And I'll tell you this, guys. If you love your wives like that, there is not a problem with submit and support. You will not have a problem with submit and support. I mean, ladies, I think you'd agree. If you had a, if you had a husband that loved you like God loves you, It'd be easy to get in line. It'd be easy to follow along and support them, even if they want to sell beef jerky. Okay? It would. It would. And then it goes on to talk about children. Children are to obey your parents and everything that pleases the Lord. So children is obey and honor. Honor and obey. And, and I tried to go for alliteration, and that stupid silent H came in. but So we went with O. We capitalized the O. But the... Um, So children are to honor and obey, okay? So here's what I noticed when whenever I started studying for this and I started putting this down on paper. If you do the first one of these, the second one is easy. If you honor your parents, it's easy to obey them. If you love your wife, it's easy to lead. If you submit, it's easy to support, right? Again, I don't, I don't know why it's in this order, because I really think the husband's, it, it, it hinges on the husband's loving. It, it hinges on love. Every single bit of this hinges on love. And then he goes on to tell his fathers, don't embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. And, and, and I had to look that up. I had to study on that a little bit about embittering your children so they won't become discouraged. And what it, what it boils down to is don't put unrealistic expectations on them. Dads, don't put unrealistic expectations on your kids. Okay, because it, life's hard enough without having to try to live up to someone's unrealistic expectations. Okay, and, and please understand, I need everything I'm saying, I need just as much of it as you do today. Okay, because I, I stood up here and hosted a couple of weeks ago, and I told you that my goal for my kids is, the, my, my only goal for them is that they love God and they love other people. Right, I told you that. I told you guys that. Some of you even remember. Love God, love other people. Everything else falls into place, right? But then, when they don't brush the pool like I want them to, and I go behind them, or, or or when my son mows the grass, and then I'm I'm watching him, and I'm I'm raise it up, just move. I'm embittering him. I'm weighing him down. I'm making it hard for him to live, like he's already hard enough on himself and now I've just made it harder. And that's what that, that's what that last verse is about. And, and, and we as dads hold more power in that regard. And so that's why it talks specifically to us, guys. So now that we know the rules of engagement, right? These are the rules to God's game of life. Four lines, I love it. Four, it's simple. Simple, I can, I, can, I can read it, I know what it is, I move on, but it's yet so difficult to put into play. So what it means is, choose to be more than a person your spouse shares a bed with. It means that we choose to not be your spouse's enemy. Okay, your, your spouse already has an enemy. The devil's out to get all of us. The devil's trying to trip us all up. We already have enemies. We don't need to be each other's enemies. We need to be each other's allies. Marriage isn't destined to be a perpetual reminder of unmet expectations. It's It's not a constant reminder of what you've done wrong and how you haven't measured up. It's not supposed to be a perpetual reminder of unmet expectations. And it doesn't have to be a breeding ground for loneliness. It can change. Okay, That's the good news is it can change, but it starts with you the change starts with you because you don't control the other person's actions or reactions you only control yours they, uh, I was listening to the radio the other day I think it was the Joy FM they were talking about this thing called a prenup house Okay, I don't know if you guys heard any of y'all heard about this but basically it is, this is like in the Netherlands or <clears throat> somewhere fancy like that That they uh, probably wherever Ikea was started from is probably where this came about they built this house, they've, they've designed this house to where it, it could be split into two. Like, so if you split up, she can take her part and he can take his part and you can move along, right? And and now, I don't know why this is new, because in Polk County we've been doing this for years. You just slap the wheels back on it and half of it drives that way and the other half of it drives that way. But, I'm just saying, but, but because the Netherlands come up with it, it's new and fancy. So, um, but... So it's, but that, when I, when I heard about that, I'm like, that's, a, that's planning to fail. That's, that's planning for failure, right? And God says, no, go into this thing. There is no reverse. Once you're there, there's no reverse, right? And so, you know, I, I heard about that. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. But as far as God's concerned, you're married. And there is no plan B. It's change plan A. Do something different. So if you're going to change, here's the other part of it too. If you're going to change, lower your expectations. If your relationship is going to change, you have to lower your expectations. Because here's what I'm willing to bet is you've been sitting around thinking for a while that something's not right in your relationship. Your spouse, especially if they're a male, has been sitting around for a while not thinking about anything. Because when you ask a guy, what are you thinking about, and he says nothing. Chances are it was nothing, absolutely nothing, okay? And so, so you've been sitting there thinking about things that aren't right, and they've been not, okay? So I say this to say, because my wife, when she, she comes up with these plans of, of things she wants to do, she thinks about them for about three months, figures it out, processes it, right? And then she comes and springs it on me and wonders why I'm not on board, well, because I'm a planner, and I'm a thinker, and I, I process, and I've had 30 seconds. <laughs> you've had three months, right? So, so, so I had to explain to her. I had to explain to her. I said, listen, babe, you just got to give me time. Like, you got to ease me into something because I don't do change. Not very well. I have to think through it. Don't just bring it on me. So I say that because you, you, you've been think, you, if you've been thinking about this, lower your expectations because it's not going to change overnight. It took you a while to mess it up this bad. It's going to take you a while to fix it, okay? And there's two people playing the game. And they may not be reading the same rules you're reading. So if you're going to change, lower your expectations, okay? If you're dating somebody, we'll go back to the single people for a minute. If you're dating somebody and they don't respect you or care for you the way you deserve... And what I say by what you deserve isn't what you settle for or what you think you deserve. Because we tend to settle. We tend to think we don't deserve as much as we do. What I mean by what you deserve is by what you deserve because you are a son or daughter of God. You're God's kid. Okay, what would God's kid deserve? All right. So if you're dating somebody and they don't respect you or care for you the way that you deserve, the way God's child deserves to be treated, leave them. I don't know, like that's, that, that's a whole, a lot of these points are a, a sermon in itself, but if you're dating somebody and they don't respect you or love you or care for you like you deserve as God's child, leave, get out, because it doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. If you're married to someone who doesn't love you or care for you or respect you the way you deserve as God's child, you have to love them. There's a difference. Because if you're dating, you're not, in, you're, you're not committed. You're not there. You're not, you haven't stuck the peg in the car yet. Get out of it. Get out. Be patient. You're better off waiting than settling. But if you're married, you're in. You're fully involved. You're there. You need to love them. If your spouse is not where you want them to be, they are exactly where you let them be or led them to be. Lead them somewhere else. The definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Right? It's like getting on 27, heading north, and trying to get to Miami. It's not going to happen. You show, Why am I in Claremont? Because you went north, dummy. You can't continue to do the same thing and expect something different to happen. The number one cause of divorce is marriage. It's arguing, right? I mean, that's what leads to it because, you know... It's, it's arguing. And so, the, um, so, so in arguments, every argument, okay, every single argument has shared blame. Every single argument has shared blame. It might be 50-50. It might be 99-1. Okay? But every single argument has shared blame because it takes two people to argue. Take responsibility for your portion, whether it's 50, whether it's 99, or whether it's one. Take respons- Instead of pointing out the other person's amount, take responsibility for your amount. And then say you're sorry for it. You can do like we tried one time. I'd read somewhere that when you get into an argument, just argue naked. Right? <laughs> and that worked. <laughs> that worked. Until we got into an argument at Walmart. And I like that Walmart because you could park there. Like the other ones, the parking lots are all jacked up. But now we got to go to a different Walmart. (laughs) But take responsibility for your portion of the argument. This is where, if if you haven't gotten mad at me yet, this is where you are going to get mad at me, especially mother-in-laws in the room. But do not invite your parents, your friends, your Facebook stalkers into your arguments. Don't invite your parents, your friends, or your Facebook stalkers into your arguments. Okay? Those are from behind closed doors. Those aren't for public consumption. All right? Because your Facebook stalkers, that, that should go without being said, but I see it every single day. But your friends are going to have your best interest in my... Put it this way. If their response... It, you, you explain to them what's going on and their response is, Ooh, girl... You don't want the advice that's coming next. You don't know. It's not going to be profitable. Okay? That's not going to happen. It's not good. Guys, don't run off and tell your mom about the things that you don't like about your wife. Seriously. Not good. Don't go telling your mom about all the things your wife does wrong. Okay? Because mom's going to have your back, 100%. Right? Dad's probably not, but mom is. That's why it's mama's boy and daddy's girl. I don't know why mama's boy gets such a bad rap when it's okay to be a daddy's girl. But don't go telling your mama what you don't like about your wife. Don't. Ladies, when something needs to be done around the house, let your husband have a chance to do it. Don't call dad to come over and do it right away, unless your husband asks for it, okay? Listen, both of these things don't make sense to the, other, to the opposite sex. They don't. These things don't make sense to the opposite sex, but they are both completely true, right? So don't go sharing this stuff with other people, okay? Now, I'm going, to go, I'm going to contradict what I just said because you should have a group of two or three friends that believe in the Bible, that trust in God, that have full permission to look you in the face and tell you you are an idiot. Okay? Seriously. A couple of years back, um, Jenny's dad passed. Okay, and, she, and it was, man... It was it was devastating, and so I, I took on extra. I I, I I had I started doing dishes and I started doing laundry and I, I had to do. I started doing check. I did some. I did extra stuff. I picked up. I, I carried it and and, and I, I was strong. I could do it. I'm, I'm a man, Gina. I got it. Until I had an argument with my dad, and then it all came crumbling down because I was. I was strong, but I was fractured. The, the, J, JJ talked about the foundation. My foundation was crumbling, and it all, took, all it took was one kick, and phew, here it came. And I didn't know what the heck to do. I didn't know where I was going to go next. I didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. I didn't know what my relationship looked like. And here I got kids, but I had three friends, and I met with them. And for nine months, we'd meet. Once a week, every two weeks, something like that. And I felt like for nine months, every single time we met, it was about me. That's how I felt. I felt like, this is about me, I'm, you know. I also felt every time, every single time after nine months, after we met, I felt worse than when I went in there. Because they were like, no, man, whoa, stop. You're being selfish. Yeah, but what did you, you know, so they, were, they were holding me accountable and showing me the truth. And I'll tell you this, I don't know where I'd be right now if it hadn't been for them. Flip down later, somebody I love dearly, a guy that I love dearly, called me up. I said, what are you doing? "I'm, I'm driving. Where are you going? I don't know. But we just had a big fight. I'm leaving. I don't know where I'm going. I said, I know where you're going. You're going to your mama's. You need to pull over to the side of the road and stop. Turn around. Go home. Say you're sorry, say I love you. I don't know what you do after that, but that's where you start, right? But four hours later, I got a phone call saying thank you, okay? But every argument has shared blame. Don't fight about finances. It's the dumbest thing to fight about, but it's the number one thing to fight about. Okay, it's the number one thing to fight about. It's the dumbest thing. Because you know, let me tell you a little secret. It's not magic, it's math. And it's the easiest kind of math. It's pluses and minuses. <laughs> like there's no gazentas, none of that stuff. Plus and minus. Black numbers, red numbers. Black numbers need to be greater than the red numbers, and you're good. That's all it is, right, Dick? That's all there is to it. Black numbers. Bigger than red numbers. We're great. But yet, this is the number one thing we fight about. And it's because we see shiny things. And we've got to have it right. And we have zero self-control, and we see shiny things. Let me tell you a secret. Keeping up with the Joneses, they're just as broke as you. Because you can fight no matter how much money you make. Rich people fight, too. Did you know that? <laughs> Rich people fight, too. I don't know any of them, so I don't know, but that's what they tell me that rich people fight. Silly. Don't fight, communicate. Here's the thing because if you fight and you win, you're sleeping with the loser. Think about that. What does that make you? You're married to a loser. Now, some of you are going, I've been saying that for years. I'm married to a loser. But if you fight and win, you're going to bed with the loser. Don't fight, communicate. Don't share faults, share dreams. Share your dreams, not their faults. The number one reason people are unhappy and frustrated is uncommunicated expectations. You're holding your spouse to an expectation you have not told them about. You want something from them that you have not communicated. Ladies, we don't read minds. We don't take hints. You basically have to print out the page and say, this is what I want for my birthday. We'll go buy it. We will. We will gladly go buy it. We're just not going to guess it. And we'll guess it wrong. We are deathly afraid of buying you clothing because it's either going to be too big and you're going to think we think you're fat or it's going to be too small and then you're going to put it on and feel fat. We are deathly afraid of buying clothing. So, we don't take hints. And you know what we're happy with? Whatever. Exactly what we told you. What you want? Whatever. We're happy with whatever. Eventually, I'll need socks. Go ahead and buy them. <laughs> it's all right. You do my laundry, you know what I need. So, so we're simple, really. But the number one reason you're unhappy or frustrated is because of uncommunicated expectations you're holding us to something that you're holding your spouse to something you never told them each of us is the product of at least one relationship whether your parents were married divorced you were raised by a single parent you never knew the other parent you were adopted whatever the case may be you are the product of at least one relationship and then you add to that okay because each relationship you're in before the relationship you're in now affects the relationship now. I don't know if that made any sense, but your past adds up. You're adding this baggage in. You're dragging, your, you're dragging this thing along with you into every relationship you get into. And then you're adding more stuff into it. And sometimes you unpack it onto them. And then you move along, right? You drag it with you. Do not hold... Your spouse responsible for what somebody else has done to you. Don't make them pay a debt that they didn't incur. See, that's the other part is sometimes some people are paying for something that they didn't do, that somebody else did. And it's not fair. It's and it's and it's impossible to do. Break the cycle. You're you're J.J. said last week, you know, I said you're, we're, we're the product of one relationship. J.J. said last week that you're not a byproduct of your earthly father. You're a product of your heavenly father. Okay, let's go with that. Instead of, instead of dealing with all the stuff people have done to me here, what has God done for me? Because if you continue to do the same thing, you're going to continue to get the same outcome. And your past does not define you but it does shape you. Your past does not define you, but it does shape you, okay? Because your dysfunction will become your norm. If, if, the, if the, the way that you communicate, I use communicate lightly, if, if communication involves yelling and throwing things, then that's normal for you. And so you get into this cycle where, I, you know, dad comes home, mom yells, dad yells, they throw stuff, the cops come. Dad comes home, mom yells, dad yells, they throw some stuff, the cops come. That becomes normal. As a kid, you know what Saturday night's going to look like. What are you doing Saturday night? Huh? Well, watching dad and mom yell and the cops will come up about 1230. You know, that's normal. Like, it, it becomes routine. Your dysfunction becomes your norm, and it doesn't have to break the cycle. The problem the problem with breaking the cycle, because we, we tend to use our dysfunction as an excuse. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know how to show affection because my dad doesn't know how to show affection because his, his dad never showed affection. Therefore, I don't know how to show affection. Bull. Bull. I, I can't open up because I was hurt one time, and I'm never going to, never is a very dangerous word to use in relation. I'm never going to open up again because I was hurt once. Tough. Like, that's an excuse. It's an excuse we use, and, and what it is is a hindrance that's going to keep you from getting to where you want to be by using those excuses. You can do the same things you've always done, but you're going to get the same outcomes. You, can stick, and you know why we do this? You know why we, we live in this dysfunction cycle? Because we know what to expect. We know what to expect. We're so afraid of the unknown that we'll go with the known as jacked up as it is. We'll go with it. But if you choose to, to venture out, and, and I'll tell you, I know what these mistakes mean, and I know what they mean to me I know what these mistakes meant to me as a kid. I know how I felt as a kid with some of this dysfunctional mistakes going on, that I said, "You know what? I'm not going to have my kids do this. My kids aren't going through this. I may make mistakes. By golly, they're going to be my own mistakes. I'm not, I'm not reliving the sins of the past. I'm going to break the cycle. It's scary. Because it's uncharted territory, but they're my mistakes. I get to own them. Psychologically, we do this to ourselves. I tell you this: my parents split up when I was four. When, um, when Joshua, my son, my oldest, when my oldest turned four, I freaked out a little bit. I freaked out a little bit, and 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 for two weeks I couldn't figure it out, and then I realized. I think I don't know what to do because my parents never made it past this point. It was so stupid. It was so stupid and so silly, but mentally it had lodged in my head. We have things lodged in our head that we, rules that are defining us right now that are so stupid. That are so silly, but they're holding us back. I'm glad it only took me two weeks to figure that out. Because it could still be hindering me today, but it's not. Okay, we all have these things from our past that are stuck in there that don't make any sense, but they're defining our relationships right now. Mother's Day's coming up really quick. Father's Day's coming up really quick. Dads, make sure that you get make sure the kids get something for mom. Okay, dads, make sure the kids get something for mom. So here's where, I mess, where where I upset the rest of you that I haven't already upset is, if you're divorced with kids, make sure they get their parents something. Please make sure. On holidays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, holidays, birthdays, whatever. Make sure they call them. And if it's safe and legal to do so, let them visit. And I, trust me, I know, because I know a dozen relationships in here. Like, I, I know there, there's a reason they're an ex, right? But they're not the kid's ex. It's the kids, that's their parents. And kids are smart. Kids are smart. Kids will figure this out. Kids, they, it might not be right now, but eventually they'll know who the bigger parent was. They'll also know who the smaller parent was. You won't have to tell them. They'll figure it out, okay? The kids didn't get divorced, you did. So please, 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 if it's safe to do so, make sure they get them something, make sure they call, try to make sure they visit, okay? All right, I think I've stepped on everybody. Because at some point, you stood before God and made a commitment to love, honor, and cherish Okay, just because you didn't work it out doesn't mean the kids suffer. The, your, your kids are not created to be weapons against the other person. Your kids are not, and, and I may be preaching to the choir. You may be sitting here saying, yeah, amen, but my, my ex needs to hear this. They do, they pro- but you're here, so you need to hear it. Your kids are not created to be weapons against the other person. Marriage isn't about being happy. Marriage isn't about being happy. It's about loving your spouse. Nowhere in the vows. Think through your vows. Pull out that old VHS tape or beta or whatever, that thing you got to slide in and then slide back out and and replay it. You did not say, I promise to make you happy. And they didn't say it either. You know why? Because it's not in there. It's not in there. It's not your job to make your spouse happy. And it's not your spouse's job to make you happy. It's your job to love them. Because happiness is a choice. See, what I learned was I could, I, could try to, I could do my best to make my wife happy during that period of time and nothing worked. Nothing, not a thing. And I was trying so hard, I was chasing my tail so much to try to make her happy and I couldn't. It wasn't until I started to love her that we both started to get better. So stop trying to find the right person Stop trying to change the person you're with. Start being the right person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for for loving us. I thank you for being the example of agape love that that true sacrificial love because we could there's no way in the world we would be able to figure that out on our own. We struggle and we had the best example. So Lord, help us to understand that kind of love. That we should have. And God, whether we're single, we're divorced, we're married, we're widowed or whatever, God, this is all profitable because that's, that's the love we should have. That's the love you say we have for all is this unconditional love. And so God, help us to understand that. God, I know my words don't do justice to your plan. And I know that, God, what we talked about usually takes me four weeks in premarital counseling and six months in postmarital counseling to get a lot of this stuff out. And we tried to cram it into 35 minutes. But God, you know what we need. Speak to us. I pray that we take out of here something that we use to improve our relationships. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.